Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the weekend. It's all about sports. And it's all on Sal's mind. It's Sports Talk Saturday with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, live from St. John Fisher College here on Buffalo Bills scrimmage day. Sal Capaccio, Sports Talk Saturday, WGR Sports Radio 550. Thanks a lot, Nate Geary, back at the station in our Amherst studios. I will get right into it, give you an update on Reggie Ragland because it just came over a little while ago from Ian Rappaport. Uh, We'll read you what Ian Rappaport tweeted a little while ago about Bill's linebacker, Reggie Ragland. Says that he had an inconclusive MRI, according to Ian's source. He's seeing more doctors and getting a second opinion on Monday. So that's what's happening with that, which means basically we still don't know. And look, here's the deal. You can look at this report as something really good or something really bad. I I think you'll go crazy trying to really read so much into it. So don't do that. Just wait. And that's all we can do right now is wait for, you know, a better report to come out, a more conclusive report. I think we all just want a... Well, we all want him to be fine, obviously. But the team and fans need to know where they stand here, and we kind of need to have some conclusiveness and you know, know exactly what's up here, which is exactly the opposite of what we're getting. Reggie Raglan, who injured his knee, had an inconclusive MRI source said he's seeing more doctors and getting in a second and getting second opinion on Monday. Again, this is from Ian Rappaport. So we will make sure we... Uh, stay on top of that if we hear anything. You can, again, you can read into this positive, you can read into this negative. And I'll give you both sides. What do we start with? What do we want to look at? I'll give you the, the negative about that first. How it could be negative. Usually you don't get the second opinion on something unless the first opinion is something you didn't like hearing. That's That's the negative right off the bat. Usually you do not get a second opinion on something unless... The first opinion is something you don't like hearing. And when you hear that someone's getting a second opinion on a knee, that means they didn't like what they're hearing on the first. However, the word inconclusive was used, not that they found something else out. They want to make sure that that's the case. It was inconclusive. But second opinion is never a good thing to hear. Also, if there was absolutely no damage and he'd be fine and it was um, some sort of bruise or hyperextension... You would think that the MRI would say, hey, we could tell there, there's nothing in there. There's nothing in there. We know, yeah, you might want to get a little more checked out, but we know we can confirm it's no ligaments. That would be the pessimistic side because that didn't happen. So I think that could be pessimistic. Now, here's the optimistic. Here's the positive side. All right. The generally, if it is something really bad, an MRI is going to catch that. That's what they do. That's what MRIs do. They catch ACLs and MCLs. It's good technology. It's great equipment these days. We know what they can do. 
Now, you could be moving during the test, so we don't know. They may have just taken it from the wrong angle. Who knows, right? But those are the kinds of things that usually show up pretty quickly and quite clear on MRIs. You don't usually get it, hey, inconclusive, right now type deal. So I think that could be viewed as optimistic. And we'll get more of an update here as things go on, but as of right now, we really don't know. Again, according to Ian Rappaport, he says a second opinion because it's inconclusive on the MRI on Reggie Ragland, so he'll uh, seek out a little bit more information and clarity on that. I don't know how to feel about this. (laughs) Uh, Look, when he went down, I'll tell you what happened yesterday. I'll explain because I was on the field, but I was on the opposite side. They were doing an 11-on-11 drill, and, you know, they were running plays. There was a sweep towards the right side of the offense. He went that way. The play was over. About 20 seconds later, I just happened to look and say, maybe 10 seconds later, say, oh, someone's down. Didn't really think about it, but it didn't look like too big of a deal at first. Sometimes guys just go down, they get up. Then a trainer comes over and start watching a little more. I say to somebody, who is that? They say, it's Reggie Raglan. Okay, boom. Antennas start to go up. Let's go find out what's going on. As I start walking over to that side of the field, around the track area, so I'm basically like at the starting line of a 200-meter race, essentially. He's on the other side of the corner. As I'm walking around that area, I see more and more trainers start huddling by him. And now you start thinking the worst. And then you notice that both Terry Pagula and Doug Wheeler are in a golf cart right in front of where this happened, like right next to him. By the time I got over there, Terry Pagula had gotten out of the golf cart and stood, I'd say, over top near, you know, Reggie with the trainers. He was concerned. He was, you know, finding out what's going on. And when that happens, it's even more of a, okay, what's going on here? But then I saw them doing some stretching, moving it around a little bit. They were they were flexing it. They are putting it up in the air, doing all those normal exercises. Didn't look like, you know, he wasn't in pain. He wasn't screaming, like, stop touching me, nothing like that, which was good. He got up on his own. He sat up. Then he sat back down. Then he sat up again. Then he got up onto his feet on his own. And then he walked about three or four feet. And he, he, he just kind of stood there with his hands on, it, on his hips a little bit, talking to a trainer. And then they said, all right, they get his, got his helmet. And they all walked together. Now, if you're not familiar with St. John Fisher, I know a lot of you are right now when I'm about to tell you. But if you're not, let me just lay out for you. The team was on the grass field, which is the far field. He was also on the far side of the far field. So it was a long walk over to the locker room compared to any other walk you can basically have around here. So he walked on his own power with a trainer, with helmet in the, the helmet in the trainer's hand, from that spot all the way down the walkway into the locker room on his own power, didn't need assistance. He did not, from anybody who saw him do that, I was still out there uh, watching some plays by the time he got over here. He said he, he did not, from what I was told, you know, he wasn't, didn't look like he was in pain, didn't have a noticeable limp. That's all good news. That's all good news. So we'll see. 803-0550, My name is Sal Capaccio. You can chime in on this if you want or anything else really Bills-related today. A Bills topic, a Bills question, the scrimmage tonight. We'll set that up for you here. Uh, just before the scrimmage, during the 5 o'clock hour, we will hear from Rex Ryan. So, he will talk before the scrimmage tonight, not after. So, you'll hear him. And I'm sure he'll get questions about Reggie Ragland. But look, if you're looking for answers, you're just really not going to get it at that point. At 5.30 tonight, he'll speak. 
The team will hit the field at 6.30, not 6, 6.30, 6.30 to 8.30. You need a ticket to get in. The tickets were free. They were distributed. You should have seen that on our website, the Buffalo Bills website. They told you where to get them. Now, I can't help you if you say you don't have a ticket, you don't know what to do. If you want to come here and get a ticket, hey, that's always possible, I guess. But you need a ticket to get into tonight's scrimmage. It was a free ticket, but these scrimmages are usually packed houses. And they do this once a year, generally right before they play the uh, first preseason game of the season. Last year they did it. Uh, a couple They had a couple night practices with the Cleveland Browns. Did it that way as well. Don't have that this year. I uh, had one night practice, I should say, with them after a couple joint practices. So that will happen at 6.30 tonight, and we'll really dive into, if you want today, I think you really want to probably hear about some of the things that are going on at some of these position battles. I have plenty of notes for you. At 803, I'm sorry, at WGR550.com. Plenty of notes for you at WGR550.com over the last several days. All you got to go is do is click on the Bills link. All right, so someone sent me, this is cool. Someone sent me, Tony, thank you, Tony, appreciate that. Tony sent me a link to uh, some medical message board. I know I hate doing that, but I do want to say someone on there posted how they had an MRI and the results were inconclusive and it showed swelling inside the knee, did not show a tear, said it could not determine the cause, twisted the knee. Let's see what I'm reading here. Um, my originalist said they're going to head to get a scope. Take a look. There still may be a small tear. I don't know. Let's see. Could be cartilage damage. Okay, this is somebody that's gone through this. Someone else says, hey, my, my wife, Jay, thank you. My wife tore her MCL and ACL. She walked off in her home too. Yep, I know that can happen. That, that is, I know, that is very, very possible that you could have tears and walk off. I will, I'll defer to, even though Rex said it's obviously something that is very concerning. I think he'd say that about anybody's knee injury uh, when you leave practice. He did say at that point he didn't think it was ligament involved. This was yesterday after practice, but keeping fingers crossed. So again, let me just reset for you. Nothing really new on Reggie Raglan other than more inconclusiveness. The MRI, according to Ian Rappaport, who just reported a little while ago, the MRI on Reggie Raglan's knee, inconclusive. He will go get a second opinion on Monday. And usually when you hear the words second opinion when it comes to injuries, that's not good. However, when you hear inconclusive, you could also say that's good because they're not finding any damage right away. In an MRI, if it was torn ACL or MCL, you'd probably find that. So we don't know where to go with that. So we'll leave it out there for you. And if you want to touch on that, and maybe we can really kind of dovetail on that off of, off of that, I should say, into what the Bills have at that position going forward. Because they suffered another injury yesterday at that position, which was not as widely reported. Kevin Reddick. Also was injured, and I have to go back. I want to credit the right person who originally had this. I, it was, I think it was uh, Rappaport. It might have been Schefter, but I, I, I don't know, and I don't want to uh, say that wrong. But just so people know, uh, Kevin Reddick was reported to have a sprained MCL. And obviously that could be – we've seen these before. Fred Jackson had one a couple of years ago. Kyle Williams, you know, his turned out to be a little bit worse. I think he had one a couple of years ago. Then he had one again last year, which turned out uh, you know, to be worse later on. But those things can be – three, four-week deals, they can get worse. We don't know. So it looks like Kevin Reddick, at the very least, would probably miss, if that's the case, sprained MCL. I would say he'd miss pretty much the majority of the remaining of camp. Now, he would be a guy behind Reggie Raglan. Who else is behind Reggie Raglan? Zach Brown. I think this is where Zach Brown comes into play. 
Now, Preston Brown is the other linebacker next to where Reggie would play. Zach Brown is the guy they signed right away in free agency. I think he was one of the first guys they signed in the free agency period, if not the first. And he is, I would tell you, Zach Brown might be the fastest linebacker in the National Football League. He's the guy who chased down Tyrod Taylor in that Tennessee Titans game last year, was called for a penalty, actually hurt Tyrod when he, when he, Tyrod got twisted. It shouldn't have been a penalty on Zach Brown because he grabbed his jersey, but he was called for a horse, horse collar. You all remember the play, the final drive. The Bills really needed a score, and Tyrod took off from deep in his own end. Long run. They added on more to it, and then he, he twisted back, looked like he hurt his knee. He got up. He limped off. EJ came on for a, a play. I remember that so clearly, but uh, Zach Brown was that guy, and Zach Brown has chased a lot of quarterbacks in this league. I asked him yesterday if he thought Tyrod Taylor is, if, if Tyrod is the fastest quarterback in the league. And he kind of went through, and he was really thinking. He, had, he put some thought into it, and he said, yeah, I, I think he is. He, I, I think he would be. And I, I mentioned Michael Vick, and you know, we both kind of laughed because you know, Vick is older, and I don't even know if he's still on a roster now, to be quite honest with you, but uh, we, we joked about that. But he did say you know, he thinks Tyrod is. But the thing about Zach Brown is I think he was pretty much brought here to be the guy that plays on the situations where you need better coverage and you want to take Raglan off the field. Because the knock on Raglan has been, obviously, as many know, coming out, he's not good in coverage. He's not fast enough. Now, I think he'll be just fine in coverage as long as you keep him in zones. You don't have him matched up against a you know, really fast slot receiver a lot. He can get guys coming out of the backfield. I think he'll be much better in coverage than other people believe. I think he was much better in coverage in college than others will have you believe. It just depends on what situation that is in. Of course, he can't cover slot wide receivers who are going to run seam patterns down the middle of the field for 15 yards. That's not going to happen. Not, you know, he'll, he'll get past at some point there. But I do think that there is something to maybe, you know, upgrading in the personnel department when you go to a third and six and you can bring a guy like Zach Brown on the field and take a guy like, and take a guy like uh, Reggie Raglan off the field. And Zach Brown is that guy now who would have to probably play more on first and second down and not just on third down. He's not a thumber. He's not a Reggie Ragland. He has experience in this league. He's played well. He was a very good linebacker, very highly thought of coming out of college, well, I think, uh, what, four or five years ago. And, you know, he's been in Tennessee. So I think it's a guy the Bills can at least rely on to be serviceable, but he's not a guy that's going to rack up the kind of numbers I think Reggie Ragland can in this defense. He's not going to make the impact I think Reggie Ragland can against the run on first and second down, and that's something the Bills really need to happen. Now, also behind him is a guy that I've really expected more out of to this point in his career, and he hasn't done that much, and I'd like to see him do more and step up, and this might be his time, and that is Randell Johnson. Now, when Randell Johnson came to the Bills a couple of years ago, as uh, what, what Florida A&M he came out of, and he was a guy that uh, Florida Atlantic, it was not A&M, Florida Atlantic, 6'4", 245. This is a guy I've always described as you want him first off the bus. He's chiseled, he's an Adonis, he looks great. He's that prototypical body you want in the NFL for a linebacker. Usually, though, more of a Sam linebacker. Strong, outside guy, set the edge, has some explosiveness, pretty good athlete. But he just hasn't shown it in his two years here in Buffalo so far. And I need him to start showing it. I need Randell Johnson to step up into the role that the Bills envisioned for him when he came aboard. This is now his time to become that player. Because if Reggie Ragland is out for any length of time, they're going to have to rely on the guys they have here over first, first and foremost, over anybody that's out there on the free agent market. You want to do that first. Then you look at the free agent market if you're not convinced. Because, look, 
I, I know that guys have contracts and there's cap implications, but we're not talking about millions of dollars here for guys. And if a player was better out there maybe than a Randall Johnson, he'd be here, at least if the Bills thought that. Or if he's better than Zach Brown, he'd be here, or at least the Bills thought that. Now, I know there are cap considerations and veterans want a little more money. I know that. But these guys are here for a reason, and now they're going to have to show why they're here. They're going to have to show why this scouting staff, this front office, this coaching staff has kept them around and put them in these positions to try and make an impact on this roster. And that's what we're facing here if Reggie Raglan is out for any sort of time. 8030550888552550. Getting lots of you telling uh telling me and tweeting me about, you know, examples of torn MCLs and ACLs. And yeah, I get it. I mean, we're all doing this now, right? We're all trying to read the tea leaves here, if you will, about the Ian Rappaport report that Reggie Ragland's MRI was inconclusive. So he will get a second opinion starting Monday, it looks like. All right, so I'm out here right now at St. John Fisher. I'm sitting in the Bills tent. And by the way, the sun is kind of like starting to peak and get a little closer to me here. I am in shade, but it gets hot in this tent. I think there's a fan. i got to turn this fan on. Hopefully this doesn't uh, – maybe is this thing even plugged in? It's sitting right next to me. I might have to plug this thing in, and then we'll see if you guys – if it's too loud, like on the air, you can hear it. I'll have to turn it off. But I'm going to do this sooner or later because it is going to get hot in here. But it's basically me and you today. And I, here, but here's what I'm going to do. I I have do have Andy Young coming aboard from uh, Time Warner Cable News. Andy and I do uh, some stuff on TV together. He's really good. He knows his stuff. Uh, he's out here watching practice uh, a bunch of times. So you know he'll give us his thoughts on what's going on with the Bills and the team in 2016. So we'll get Andy aboard. I think he's going to be stopped by around the one o'clock hour. But whenever he shows up and he wants to pop his head in this tent, is fine by me. And look, if you are a media member that I interact with and like. <clears throat> Uh, you're you're welcome to come in and join me today. I want some thoughts. I want I want a, a good, wide, um, broad view of what we think of this team this year from different people. People hear my voice a lot here on WGR. They read my reports. You know, maybe there's somebody out there that uh, is in the media says, I oh, know I don't see that guy in that position the same way you do. I'd like that. So, my fellow media brethren, if you're around on campus today, while I'm here through this afternoon, through this lunch, and while we're waiting for this scrimmage to go on tonight, because I know some of you went back, some of you were here, some of you stayed overnight. If you are on campus and you want to pop your head in the WGR tent, you know where it is, right where Rex does his uh, press conference podium, right next to that, behind the fence. Come on over, pop in, say what's up. You can put a, a microphone on, a headset on with a microphone, and we'll chat. Let's do that today. That'll be fun. And then, you know, you'll, you'll get some pub for whatever, you know, outlet you are. Now, obviously, um, you know, I have to like you, I think, if we get along. And I don't come in here if, you know, you and I, you know, went toe-to-toe one night at the local pub or something, which might be known to happen. 803-0550. But I, I, I do want to spend it with you today. 803-0550-888-552-550. And if anything happens with Reggie, we'll get that. And back at the station, we also have Nate Geary, uh, who's going to be on top of things. He just posted a little while ago, right, right, Nate? You just posted a little while ago just posted, the yep. uh, report on Reggie Raglan? Sure did. All right, so you can go there as well. You can check out Nate's report. And like I said, it's basically just backing up and telling you what uh, Ian Rappaport, but you can read it more uh, in detail and in-depth. The other story this week that's really been making the rounds, and it started last week when I reported about the Tyrod Taylor. You can read my article from a couple weeks ago, or I should say about a week ago now. Uh, I think it was right around today, maybe Sunday, last week, Monday, that um, the Bills and Tyrod Taylor were working on a shorter deal and a more creative deal. That's how it would be structured. 
Uh, since then, we've also had a report from Jason Lock and Four of CBS who says that they're working on a bridge deal, which backs up what I've been saying, although he put numbers to it. The numbers he put to it are about two years, $30 million. That would be an average of $15 million per year. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard any specific numbers, yay or nay, on that. But I'll still tell you what I have heard even since that report, and I've also published this, is that it's not from what they're talking about and what they'd like to get to here, at least from the Bills' side uh, of things. I know, you know Tyrod Taylor's side is going to want a long-term deal for a lot of money. That, that goes without saying. He wants a long-term deal for a lot of money. What the two sides are trying to get to, though, is an area where that can happen, but the Bills want to get creative because they need to have some protection here as well. So I'm hearing this deal, if and when it gets done, and hopefully sooner rather than later, and it looks like we're getting closer and closer to that from everything that you know, I've been hearing and talking to people, that we're getting closer. I don't know if there's anything imminent. I wouldn't say that. You never know. These things could happen overnight. But you know, we're getting closer to that. I think the two sides might want to get something done before the start of the season here. Um, but everything I'm hearing is that this deal is going to still be creative. It's not going to be a... X years, X dollars flat deal. Because if you think about it, A, that really, you know, it kind of, it doesn't really benefit either party that way. If you do a short-term deal just for X years, X dollars. Tyrod Taylor wants long-term security. Yeah, he can get a lot of money up front. I know that. We're not dealing in people driving around right now going, come on, how much is too much? He's making three. He could get 15 or 16 for one year. I know. We don't deal in that world, though. We deal in football dollars world. So, I get all that. You don't have to be that guy or that girl to call in or call up or text me and say, oh, my God, they make so much money. I know. But this is the world we live in, all right? The world we live in is football and contracts and dollars and market value and things like that. And Tyrod Taylor wants long-term security. We know that. He wants a lot of money for that. He's still in his mid to late 20s. He is, he's a young guy, all right? So a two-year deal for good money is nice, but it still gets him – only to a point where he has to think about what's going to happen to his future down the road if he has any dip in performance at all. Because the, the, the good thing with a secure deal for quarterbacks is if you have a dip in performance, you still have that security and you can bounce back, and a team's not going to have ever, an incentive to financially get rid of you. Also, from a team's perspective, let's think about this. A two-year deal puts Tyrod Taylor back on the open market at age 29. And if he really has two really good years, you don't want that. So I don't think that that deal, as it stands, as two years for $30 million or whatever money really makes sense as far as straight cut, boom, boom, X years, X dollars. Just doesn't make sense for me. Now, with that in mind, let's remember, no matter what, if the Bills did, if the Bills and Tyrod did come to an agreement on a X years, X dollars deal, two years, boom, flat, that's it. This is the money you're getting, two-year deal. If they did that, no matter what the years are, let's keep in mind it's actually – Three, uh, it's actually an extra year they would have him under control. They always have the franchise tag at their disposal. So even if it's a two-year deal, it can, a re- it can really, from the team's perspective, be a three-year deal because you could, you could always add the franchise tag on if things go south and you can't find another deal after that. Now it's going to be a lot more money, though. And by two years from now, heck, we've seen, the, we've seen quarterback franchise tags. I'd have to go back and look. I haven't done this. I think they've gone from like 18 to 20. It'll be like 23 next year. Two more years. We're talking close to 30 probably. You don't want to do that. So the benefit for the Bills is still, other than just saying two years, this many dollars, 
What the Bills want to do is protect themselves, have flexibility where they say, look, we'll give you money now. We have this much money to give you this year. Here's our budget. Here's our open cap space. We'll take care of you. We want to do right by you. We don't want you going out there $3 million only to yourself and you know having that in the back of your mind so you don't go out there and play hard. Not that he would, but you know you want to take care, take care of your guy because he played well, although you don't have – you don't have Drew Brees type money to give them, and you're not going to do that. So you want to take care of them a little. But you say, look, and if you perform well, then we got this other deal sitting out here that we're more than willing to pay. We're more than willing to pay. And if you perform well, that kicks in, and we go forward with that. So what it could be, it could be, is something like a Percy Harvin deal last year, where Percy Harvin signed a three-year deal. But really, the final two years, he was going to get a lot of money, including this year, but the team had to basically exercise that option to let it happen. And the only way that was going to happen is if he absolutely blew up, he became their number one receiver because, you know, Sammy Watkins was out or something like that, and they said, we got to have this guy going forward. That was the only way. So that, but so what they did was they voided it, and by voiding it, they're only counting the prorated part of the, part of the signing bonus they gave him last year, which is a million this year and a million next year because he had a $3 million signing bonus, $1 million per year. So that would be something similar, I think, to how the Bills would like to do that. All right. Tyrod, his extension, talk. Reggie Raglan, his inconclusive MRI report. And what's going on on the field? Well, t- I'll actually get to what's going on in the field position battles when we come back. There are a couple of guys who are starting to make moves. And there are a couple of guys I think that you're going to be surprised that I tell you I think are looking pretty safe here on this roster as it stands right now. And I'll do that when we come back here live from St. John Fisher on WGR Sports Radio 550. I mean, this is my first year with Tyrod, especially in training camp, but he's a true leader. You know, he does it by example, too. You know, he's one of the hardest working guys, if not the hardest working guy on the team. You know, he's here early. He's working out, you know, with with the receivers. He takes care of himself. You know, he's great in the meetings. You know, he does player-only meetings where he kind of goes over some stuff with us as well, so we're all on the same page. He's definitely taken over completely. Greg Salas. Nate, you know where Greg Salas went to school? Oof, I don't, I don't think. Hmm. He was like super, super, super productive at Hawaii. Oh, okay. But he yep. played in the, he played in that Mickey Mouse offense, yep. and I call it that affectionately, by the way. Yes, because it's a good offense. <laughs> it's fun to watch, but you know, it doesn't really translate. No, but he he knows how to get open, man. It's really funny watching him out here, um, because I say Mickey Mouse. It's funny. It's like watching a cartoon. Sometimes those guys out there, it's it's all these. Receivers just running around everywhere and getting open, you know, and what they used to do, by the way. But um, he is a guy. Let's start there. Let's talk about the wide receiver spot. I said I'd, I'd mention a few positions here, and we'll get into them. And you can call up. Any question or comment you have today about the Bills, about camp, what's going on? I've been at every single practice and talked to a lot of people, and I'll try and answer whatever you want today. Here on WGR, 803-0550-888-552-550. Also, as of now, I have a limited number of guests. We have Andy Young coming by Time Warner Cable News. He'll be here uh, on the sports side of the Time Warner Cable News. He'll be here, I think, during the 1 o'clock hour, but whenever he pops in. And anybody else, I, I threw it out there before. If any of my media brethren are around on campus, want some radio love, want to you know chat, have a little conversation on the air here about the team, please join me in the WGR tent. Let's do that. I'm giving you the open invite as I sit here all alone on campus. Now, I'm not really all alone. You got Bill's PR people running the field. 
You got the president of the team running the field. He's doing gassers out here, Russ Brandon. He's always running out there, staying in shape. I got uh, I got one of the assist Bill's assistant coaches working with his young son on like linebacker drills out here. It's pretty cool. So you know, there's people out here. I'm just the only one that's sitting in a tent talking on the radio right now, and there's no football going on. Wide receiver Greg Salas. See, here's the thing with Salas, which is I I I don't think when people ask me who's the two, who's the three, whatever. Well, we know Sammy Watkins is the one when he's healthy. That's another. Uh, story, by the way, for ne- next week. We can get into that later. It looks like maybe Monday is the, the date he's going to return. We know Sammy's the number one, but he's out. So right now, Robert Woods is the number one. He'd be normally the number two. So how do you want me to characterize this? I'll say Sammy one, Robert Woods two. There's a battle at number three. And as much as a lot of you do not want to hear this, I know you're not going to want to hear it. You're going to say, heck with you, Sal. No way. It's impossible. My job is just to report what I see out there. And I'm telling you, Marquise Goodwin has been running as that number three wide receiver plenty of times. Now, he's rotating a lot of times with Greg Little. And then Des Lewis gets an opportunity. But you're basically looking at Woods, Goodwin, Little, Lewis. Now, I left off Salas. I'll tell you why in a second. Let me focus on these guys first. So Robert Woods has been, and we know he is the guy with Sammy out. He's the number two on this team. Watkins one, Woods two. Goodwin has been getting, all, every day, either first team or second team reps. And if he's not on the first team, he gets right away in the second team. We all know the problem there with Marquise Goodwin. He can't stay healthy. He even had a cramp the other day in his hand or his forearm, I should say, and then he got a cramp in his calf. That was, he left the field for a little while. He came back, he practiced two more days. He hasn't gotten hurt here in camp. I'm just telling you, and I know, again, many of you out there are rolling your eyes, you don't want to hear it. If Marquise Goodwin stays healthy, he's on this team and he plays a role. That's just the fact. You have a guy that's in his fourth year. He is a veteran receiver. He's been in this system so far for a year. And he's on his rookie deal and he's cheap, essentially, for a fourth-year guy. And he does provide you a deep threat you don't have. So the Bills are hoping he can stay healthy and they're going to use him. And you know what he's been doing lately? Jet sweeps, getting a toss. They've been getting in the ball in different situations. That's what's going on there. Now, Greg Little has been getting some, lately, more first-team reps. He's been getting them, not really for Goodwin, although he's been, they've been kind of rotating. What he's really done is he's kind of stepped up in the place of Des Lewis, who was getting those first-team reps when camp opened. That's the guy, I think, that you know is looking interesting here because... Through OTAs and minicamp, Des Lewis looked really good. And he doesn't look bad out here. But he does look a little to me like he's plateaued. Like he's getting passed now by other guys. Hey, you know what? We know the kid has had a really good offseason. We know the kid is, is going to make the team and, and hope they're going to find a role. He could be a red zone guy. But where he was at camp, it seems like to me, Goodwin, but especially Greg Little, and maybe even once in a while a guy like Walter Powell are starting to get a few more reps ahead of him. That Lewis isn't really showing up in that first team as much. It doesn't mean he's done anything wrong. What it means is other guys are starting to show maybe that they're a little bit more ahead. And he had the advantage of being in the system for a year. Because remember, Greg Little did not. Walter Powell was at the end of the year. He was on the practice squad all year, familiar with the coaches. They had him in there in OTAs and minicamp. He came out here. But now you're starting to see where he's kind of stayed where he is, and other guys are starting to catch up to him and maybe even pass him. Okay, so where does Greg Salas fit in? Here's why I don't like labeling one, two, three, even though I just did. I don't like labeling receivers one, two, three, whatever. 
Because Greg Salas does not run with the ones or the twos pretty much on any given day when they go to teamwork. What I mean by teamwork is the portion of practice before they face the defense. The offense runs plays against there. Greg Salas generally is not immediately in the rotation on the first team or the second team. But he's always on the field, it seems like, when they go against the defense. So Greg Salas has a spot on this team as, to me, what it looks like is a situational wide receiver. Oh, all right, you're not necessarily the first team guy or the second team guy, but, hey, we need six yards, get out there. Hey, it's second and ten, get out there. I mean, that's what it seems like to me they're doing with Greg Salas, is that he is more of a guy that's going to see the field a lot, but don't label him one, two, three, whatever. Maybe he goes two series without even being on the field, and then the next series, they got to get down the field in a hurry. They need to – they have they have a, a three minutes at the end of a half, so you have time, but you got to chew, chew up some yards. Greg Salas is out there. Because he did start with the first-team two-minute offense, which tells me that, that he's the guy you're going to rely on in those types of situations. Now, Walter Powell's interesting at wide receiver because – He's not a guy really expected to be there yet. Every day, seems like he's involved, catching deep balls. They're targeting him. Haven't seen much of Jarrett Boykin out there. I know a lot of people expected him to get uh, some love and some run uh, with his familiarity with Tyrod and things like that. Haven't really seen that out of him so far. And Leonard Hankerson's in the same boat. Haven't seen him much out there. The other guy I need to talk about is Colby Listenby, who is still not practicing. He is on the active non-football injury list. Remember, he had that that hernia that uh, he was dealing with even back as far as the combine. Look, we could be dealing with a situation where Colby Listenby doesn't even play this year at all in a Bills uniform. They just shelve him. They give him a redshirt year. They let Marquise Goodwin play play this year, hopefully stay healthy, and then they decide at the end of the year, do we want to basically just make a replacement, let Marquise walk and bring in the new fast guy who's now three years younger, essentially, on a rookie deal, and we used up this guy in his rookie deal. That's the way this league works, man. Sometimes you just get guys, you use them up for a contract, and they walk, and you replace them. And it just turnover, turnover, turnover. That's what you do. And that might be the case here with Listenby. I don't know. He has not yet been on the field. We don't know what his injury status is, but Rex Ryan did say uh, a couple days ago that trainers just aren't happy or aren't comfortable, excuse me, uh, putting him out there yet. All right, let's go to Mark and Kenmore. Hi, Mark. You're on WGR on Sports Talk Saturday. Hello, Sal. I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan. I'm in my early 50s, and I've followed this team for a long time. I look at what I think they might be doing this season. New England is still obviously the team to beat. The New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills, they are just, they're about the same, if you ask me. Now, I think the greatest enemy of the Buffalo Bills, and I think it's been this way for most of the drought, period, and it's something that's been frustrating me for years. Injuries. It seems every year, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time during the drought, by the time the holiday season begins, Thanksgiving on, they may, the Buffalo Bills may still be in the playoff race, you know, in contention in some way, wild card, whatever. But by that time, when they need to make that final push, they are so beat up, so ravaged by injuries, that they have a number of their starters are out or whatever, and they just can't make that final push to get into the playoffs. I think this team does have the talent to get to the playoffs. The question is, and I think if I'm Rex Ryan, the coach, my, I fear my job could be, this could be my, this could be it for me if this team gets killed by injuries. Again, it's, I'm very disturbed about some of the injuries, like the one Raglan yesterday. Non-contact. That bothers me. Um, sure, it bothers anybody, but here's the thing. It's football. 
Kelvin Benjamin had a non-contact injury last year for the Carolina Panthers, their number one wide receiver, ACL for the year. I, here's the, the thing about it is, Mark, because you're a fan, and I understand this frustration, what you're saying, believe me, I do, because you're a fan and the team has had the drought, it seems to you that they have, a, 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 they have more injuries than every other team in this league. But I bet you if you went through the last 16 years of this league, on average, the Bills would be no – they would be at just as much average of any other team as far as number of players in IR. They will have more in some years. They will have less in other years. I understand that, hey, it's part of football. Football's a rough game. I know injuries are always part of the game, but it does seem to me – I know. I just said that because you're a fan, but it's just not true. Yeah, it does seem that way to me. I, I understand it's part of the game. You know what it is, though? Here's the, here's, the real, here's the rub of it, Mark. This is the truth, all right? When you have an elite quarterback, you can sustain injuries around your roster, and you can always still win games because it's been a quarterback league essentially for 16 years. Now, here and there, you can say, well, defense wins here, Seattle, Denver last year, but elite quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in the league, they cover up for a lot of those injuries. What have the Bills not had in 16 years? The quarterback. They haven't had a, yeah, they haven't had a quarterback I'm high on Taylor. I actually I like him. He's the most exciting um, quarterback I think we've had for a very long time. And is he the best of Kelly? I don't know, but I definitely want to see him succeed uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think this team again. I think they have the talent to do something. It's a question of can they stay? It is a league of attrition. I agree 100%. I say it all the time. Mark, I got to run. Thanks for the call. Okay, buddy. Thanks. All right, no problem. It is a league of attrition. I say that all the time. The NFL is a league of attrition. But the attrition isn't just in quantity. It's quality. If you lose your starting quarterback, you're done. I don't care who you are. All these people tell me all the time, well, if the Bills lose Tyrod, they got to play EJ, they're done. Yeah, just like every other team in this league, essentially. If the, if the Packers lose Aaron Rodgers, Brett Hundley has to play. Where are they? Who's the guy in, uh, uh, who's behind Drew Brees? Sean Mannion, maybe? Is he the one there in New Orleans? I think Nate. I think Isn't help he the me out. Other it. McCown brother? Uh, maybe that yeah, could be I, that too. And I, I, I mean, think what do you, what, what do we, McCown. right? What do we talk about? Look, AJ McCarron looked pretty good a couple times for for Andy Dalton last year. But what if AJ McCarron had to play the full year? I don't think that they would be a very good team. He might. Maybe that's one example. I don't know. But otherwise, what are we talking about here? Every team in this in the, is in this boat. As as iffy as Ryan Fitzpatrick might be, you know what the alternative is? Geno Smith. That's the way it works. Every team. Every team. The Steelers lost Ben last year. Michael Vick lost his job to Landry Jones after that. And then he got hurt. <laughs> so that's just what we're dealing with in this league. It's a league of attrition, but if you, it's, it's about where the attrition occurs. If you lose your quarterback, you're done. And I know it seems the Bills fans, they have a higher number of injuries, and they did a couple times. A couple years ago, they certainly did. But they've also had other times where they haven't had as many. And there are teams with more. You know, i got to get to a break, but I'll say this. The first time I tweeted about an injury here at camp, something happened. I said, oh, this guy's down. Somebody said, there we go again, injuries, always the Bills, always the injuries. When that, that day, two Eagles left the field, or I think, well, over the last two days, two Eagles left the field. There was an Atlanta Falcons guy left the field. OBJ left the field. Everybody deals with these injuries. It, it sucks. It totally sucks. If Reggie Ragland is hurt, it hurts this team bad. That's what this game is, though, unfortunately. For every team in this league dealing with it.
We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll start on some more positions. I did wide receiver. I know there's another uh, couple of battles you guys want to talk about, and we'll do that next. On the field, um, after different plays, uh, hold a meeting later on uh, in the evening for, for the skill guys as well, too. All right, so let's correct it here. Giving my props to my man back at the studio. That One of the McCown brothers is in New Orleans. Luke is there. He's on their roster. So you got that. Uh, Nate, so you're good about that. And it was not Manny. It's Garrett Grayson who's his backup, though. Drew Brees' backup is Garrett Grayson. I think he's the backup. I don't think McCown is. He could be. But same draft class as Mannion. Remember what I said Mannion? Grayson went uh, number overall 75 in the 2015 draft. And then Mannion went overall 14 in the 2015 draft. Yuck. So there you go. That's, that's their quarterback situation right now? That's right. They, Drew no, they, so they have, they have Breeze. Then they have, uh, I think behind him would be Grayson and then McCown. So, yeah. So what, what's the point? What's that? No, I didn't get mine in yet. I see you getting yours in. The president's giving me garbage now because he's out here running gassers. Are you? Hey, wait, wait. Are are you like training for the uh, the 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 training camp president's basketball league or something? There it is. I know. Yes, yes. Russ Brandon has to remind me he's in the St. John Fisher Hall of Fame, ladies and gentlemen. What? Thirty minutes on stairs. I'm I'm gonna relaying this. 12 gassers. And those gassers are back and forth. That's 33 and a third yards, baby. Right? All right. 1250s. Nice. All right, I'll, I'll be joining you after I uh, have a big lunch and kick back and relax. I know. I, I, you're right, right, exactly. He also, he also told me to bench 275 the other day. What is it with this guy? What is it with this guy? He's got you know, to show me up out here. All right. So listen. I have to remind everybody what uh, what's going on here. I, I got off topic. Anyway, Russ Brandon is out here. I can't uh, – he, he won't come on there and talk to me about uh, Reggie Ragland, obviously, because he doesn't know anything because it's inconclusive, and he's obviously hoping for the best as well. Coverage of Bill's training camp at WGR Sports Radio 550, presented by DeUville Educating for Life and by MNT Bank, the official bank of the Buffalo Bills, and brought to you by Outlet Liquor. When it's time to stock up, you'll save every day at Outlet Liquor and by Consumer Beverages, Buffalo's beer store. All right, we'll take a time out. We will talk running backs when we come back. There is a really interesting battle, and I think tonight we might start to see some clues and even some separation in the running back battle, but probably not going to know anything until after the first preseason game, but I think you'll get some clues tonight, and I'll fill you in on my uh, take so far on what I've seen from that position here on WGR Sports Talk Saturday live from Bill's training camp at St. John Fisher College. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.